my first thought going back to school was sort of like, oh, how humiliating. All these kids are, you know, young enough to be my children. And, oh, you kind of have all these insecurities, which is stupid. Like, anybody is really going to judge you for going back to school. But that kind of quickly went by the wayside. And um, I just realized how amazing it was to bring so much life experience to this school learning process. Welcome to The Lisa Show, where we take a good look at life. Hey, this is Lisa. And as part of our series on starting over, today's episode is looking at a different kind of new beginning than we've talked about so far. While there's so many ways life can change in a negative way that forces you to start over, this isn't that kind of story. Instead, it's about dreams that get put on the back burner, the kind that you can live a happy life and never come back to, but which could also pay off in a big way if you're willing to step outside of your comfort zone and chase them down. As moms, we're often caught in this conflict between two expectations. The first is that we're expected to put everything in our lives on hold while we prioritize our parenting over everything. But the second is we're expected to be just a mom, to do the incredible, overwhelming, life-changing work of parenting without a complaint, without praise, while also picking up hobbies on the side. What this conflict of expectation often means is that when we decide that we want to pursue a dream outside of parenting, like going back to school, we have to navigate a complicated relationship with our identity. Are we succeeding as moms or failing or somehow both? In today's episode, you'll hear the story of my good friend, Morag Kawasaki, deciding to go back to school after years of being a stay-at-home parent. And beneath the surface of her incredible story, we'll talk about what it is to figure out your relationship with yourself while the world may be telling you conflicting things. Here's Morag. So my name is Morag Kawasaki. I have two daughters, uh, one who's a senior in high school and one who is in fifth grade. And I recently became a teacher at Timfew High. And that sounds really weird, actually, that I have a career now. That's my career. Okay, spoiler alert. Morag's dream was to be a teacher, and she is. You probably figured that out, and that's where this was going. But the road to fulfilling this dream for her was anything but conventional. So let's start at the beginning. Here's Morag again. I might rewind just a teeny bit, um, just that I always wanted to be a teacher. Like, basically, when I graduated high school, I thought, I want to teach. And then, you know, one thing led to another, and I... I did some college, but maybe a couple of years, and then I got a good full-time job. And uh, my husband needed to finish school, so I just worked, and he finished school, and then I never went back to school. So there was kind of this gaping hole, like, wow, I never finished, but, you know, the longer I stayed away from school, the less it made sense to go back to school, especially because school's so expensive, and then you have kids, and... It just kind of like slowly drifted away into my past, but I don't know. I guess I just always felt like there was something lacking because 
I did have a clear vision of what I wanted to do. And this vision that Morag had stayed with her over the years. This wasn't just some childhood fantasy. This was something she thought about her whole life. Here's Morag. And surprisingly, that never changed, which I think that that doesn't happen with a lot of people. I think a lot of people have dreams when they go out, you know, leave high school, but they end up doing something totally different. But mine kind of always stayed the same. I always wanted to be a teacher. And as you heard, there were a lot of reasons not to act on this dream. Her family wasn't depending on her career necessarily, and it would be inconvenient to go back to school, not to mention expensive. I asked Morag to paint the picture of what her life looked like before she made the decision to follow this dream. It was a long time ago. So much has happened in the last four or so years <laughs> for everyone. Um I mean, I was just a, I was just a mom, you know, I had two kids. I was really busy, you know, just taking care of the house and my husband works out of town. So I am a single mom half of the time because he'll, he's gone for a week and then he's home for a week. So it's kind of a lot. It was a lot. And with so much on her plate, Morag might not have ever decided to take the plunge if she hadn't heard about an unexpected opportunity. So my girls were getting a little bit older, and I actually had a niece who was going to school at BYU, and she had a bunch of scholarships, and she was telling me about this, the one, like, biggest scholarship she had where you apply for it, and basically the state of Utah will pay for your schooling if you agree to teach in Utah for a certain number of years kind of a thing. So your schooling is paid for. And that kind of had always been the big reason why I hadn't gone back to school. Just, oh, who can afford that? It's too expensive. And so when I found out that there was a possibility of me having my schooling paid for, I was like, well, I don't know if I can pass this up. So I thought, well, what the heck? I'll apply for it. I mean, it had been so many years since I'd been in school. Um, But I thought, well, I'll apply for it, and then we'll see what happens. And I applied for it, and I got it. And it was almost like it made the decision for me. I was like, well, I guess, I guess I'm going back to school then. The scholarship was a big deal. And with the financial obstacles out of the way, Morag realized that it wasn't the only thing that had kept her from acting on this dream sooner. It was like, great, you know, I, I can just do this because I got, I got this scholarship. But... um. I think the biggest hindrance would be change itself. I mean, life is hard because of change. There are good changes. There are bad changes. But even the good changes are usually hard. You know, like you could be moving into your dream home, but moving is one of the most stressful things you could ever do, right? So, I mean, even if it's the most wonderful change in the world, um, it's still incredibly difficult. So I think it's hard to make a conscious step towards something that you know is going to be a big change. Morag just mentioned what I think is an essential part of starting over. More often than not, even the good and exciting changes in life can be really, really difficult. This has been a theme in my life. For example, one time I moved to England with my family. This was really exciting. It's something that I'd always wanted to do. But then I knew that the logistics of it, all the little tiny details were going to eat up all of my free time. 
for the foreseeable future because it's just not comfortable. You know that feeling that you get at the end of the day when everything is just sort of ordinary and it's so great because you can just like watch TV and have a snack and just not think about anything. When you're starting something new, you don't get that feeling for a really long time. I felt constantly out of my comfort zone when I first moved, even though I thought it was really great. Or when I started a new job, it's exciting and you're getting to know people, but you don't really know what you're doing. And that makes you feel uncomfortable. You kind of feel like not only are you not an expert in your own life, but that everything is uncomfortable. And when everything's uncomfortable, then you don't have that downtime to just relax and be yourself. That is a part of starting over that doesn't feel great. And especially when you're the mom, when you know that there's always so many like little tiny details to look after that you're the one that has to figure it all out over again. And as a mom, it's up to you to come out with all of the details about how everything's going to change, not just for you, but for other people too. So it's uncomfortable for you. And then you have to help other little people navigate it as well. And it feels emotionally and mentally really challenging. It's not comfortable. And a lot of starting over, even if it's a really exciting experience, is knowing that you're going to be uncomfortable for a while. And I can see looking back on moving to England that it was really fun and it was totally worth it. But it's easy to see that the difficulties were worth it now because I'm in a comfortable place. But that's impossible to see beforehand. And it's okay, I think, to feel that fear and trepidation even by a good change. What matters is taking the next step regardless and not letting it hold you back from doing the thing that you want to do. Facing this massive change was intimidating to Morag because she became acutely aware of this fact and that it was going to be uncomfortable and she knew it was going to be difficult even if she didn't know exactly how difficult. And there wasn't any guarantee that it would be worth it. She already had a happy life. The financial issues, I think, I think that alone really is a big part of it, was a big part of it. Um, Just because, you know, as much as I wanted to go back to school, you get into new routines, you get used to things. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if you're not completely happy, like, that's okay. I mean, I try to have a positive attitude about life, so it's not like... It's not like I was miserable because I'd never finished (laughs) school or, you know, I I I was fine. But like I said, there was always kind of a hole. It had always been such a big goal of mine, and I felt like something was missing. Something was missing, and Morag decided to take the risk and pursue her dream, which she knew was the unfinished business, the hole in her life. I think that a lot of starting over situations are like this. You can see that something is missing, or maybe something is unexpectedly taken away, and you have to figure out how to build a life around that hole, either by filling it the way Morag did, or by redefining what your life looks like afterwards. That's what my experience was like. I felt like I had to start a new job or start a new life or start a new identity after my husband died. And I felt like that was this big gaping hole, not just left by the loss of the relationship and the person, but also the sense of identity and self and what a future looked like. And Morag and I have talked a lot about that and how even though our situations are very different, that feeling of, oh, I can see that life is not like I thought it was, that there is this missing thing there. That feels familiar to a lot of us, and we could really connect on that part 
For her, it was running towards something. For me, I felt like it was forced upon me. But either way, we both knew that the need was there. For me, I knew I needed to move forward to fill that hole in my life, that I needed to create something that was no longer there. And I wasn't excited about the opportunity, but I hoped that there were things to look forward to. That was different for Morag. For Morag, she knew what the path was towards filling the hole in her life. And on the one hand, she was excited about the opportunity and knew there were things to look forward to. Once I got the scholarship, I was really just really excited to get back to school, mostly because I love being in school. I feel like there are kind of two kinds of people, the people who really, really, really hate school, and that was my husband, and the people who really love school, and that is me. I love being in school. <laughs> That's so funny, because he was the one that finished initially, and Yeah, you were mm-hmm. like, yeah. hey. Exactly. <laughs> maybe we should have swapped. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> and so, in some ways, I, I didn't have to totally make the decision on my own. But on the other hand, Morak had some anxiety about what this was going to be like for her or how other people would respond to her at her age in her stage of life, starting a career decades after the stereotypical teacher. I know that I felt this way too, the same fear of how people will judge me as I try and start over as an adult. I do feel, especially because I'm talking about starting over, that people want to know, well, what kind of life is she going to have after the loss of her husband? Or what kind of life is she going to have now that she is getting older and now that her kids are leaving? I don't know why, but I feel like this is a universal human condition that we are aware on varying levels, about how people are watching us and what we're doing, by the questions that they ask, by the comments that they make. And this does affect our ability or inability to start over. My first thought going back to school was sort of like, oh, how humiliating. All these kids are, you know, young enough to be my children. And, oh, you kind of have all these insecurities, which is stupid. Like, anybody is really going to judge you for going back to school. But... I, you know, it was such a big thing and it was so weird for me to be like the older student. I mean, it was, it was really interesting to be, you know, a middle-aged mom going back to school, you know, because you still kind of feel like that kid, you know, that you were even when you were in second grade or ninth grade or, you know, you, there's this unknown and sort of excitement like, oh, you know, I mean, even like, ooh, am I going to make new friends? And, you know, I and love you still, that. You still have that, right? Yeah, you still want to be friends. Exactly. You don't st- get old and go, I'm good. No, I don't want anymore. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Going back to school as an adult is a big deal. Don't be fooled by Morak's cool and composed demeanor. What she did was courageous and should be praised as such. And because of her courage, Morak found out very quickly that not only did the feeling of standing out as a mature student go away almost immediately, but she had advantages. Her ability to learn and absorb what she was studying was boosted by her life experience. Um, But that kind of quickly went by the wayside and um, I just realized how amazing it was to bring so much life experience to this school learning uh, process. Like, for instance, I, I had, I didn't take it back in the day, so I needed to take a philosophy class. 
And I'd always really been interested in philosophy and just hadn't taken it when I was younger. And I am so grateful I didn't take it when I was younger because I feel like I understood it so much better now because of how I understand life. And um, I mean, it, it, it was sort of a life-changing class. Wow. The teacher was amazing. And I just, I feel like I learned how to think better, to think about life and have more perspective. And, you know, and that's how it was with most of my classes, really, at least on like smaller scales where, you know, I would constantly kind of have these light bulb moments um, that would call on things that I already knew and that I'd maybe sort of experienced and, um, you know, whether it's through something that was really deep like motherhood or just relationships or different things like that that I know I would not have been able to fully understand had I taken this class or learned this thing when I was 21 years old. Having added life experience to help her class was only one of the many unexpected silver linings that Morag found once she was back at school. She also told me about what she learned about making friends. One of the things that I loved learning about going back to school, being a lot older than the vast majority of the other students, was that age does not matter. Um, I developed a lot of really really wonderful relationships with uh, other students who were half my age and absolutely did not matter. It was so wonderful to feel this connection to, you know, people of a different generation where we did have different perspectives and that was what was so great about having a relationship and it didn't matter that, you know, I could tell them about the 1980s or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what was it like? Exactly, you know, or, you know, occasionally I'd have a teacher that would say, like, how many of you were alive during 9-11? And I'd look around and think, what? <laughs> there, are, there are people here who weren't alive? Oh, like, what? You know, yeah. so. What do you mean you weren't alive? Yeah, but yeah, because when I was younger, I actually had a few friends who were quite a bit older than mm-hmm. I was, but I had never kind of done it on the flip side. And it's just super rewarding to um, make connections to uh, different people, different personalities. Age does not matter whatsoever. And if anything, it makes it more interesting. So I did want to mention that because it was a big lesson that I learned too, where, again, just leave those insecurities behind because those type of insecurities, well, all insecurities are just holding you back and they're not real. Not real. Before, Morag's insecurities seemed like they had some valid points, reason to put off the dream. But as it turns out, her experience of being an older student was almost opposite to what her insecurities had been saying for so long. They hadn't been valid at all. And the things that Morag worried would be embarrassing or awkward actually enriched her experience and brought her a lot of joy. But on top of all of the difficulties with actually being in school came the struggle that we mentioned at the beginning of this episode. How do you balance being a mom and going back to school? Here's how Morag described managing that struggle. I think my biggest fear was, am I going to be able to do the school thing and still 
be an adequate mom and, well, and just, you know, be able to maintain my relationships and things like that, too, because I, I don't know, I'm the kind of person that's just all in when it comes to school. And so it did become evident right away that it was going to be this constant balancing act where I had to step back and prioritize sometimes because, I don't know, there's... In school, I just, I want to do my best. I think I think a lot of that, I think I was like that anyway, but being an adult, it's like, I've learned life lessons. I know how to, you know, I know how to show up. And so I don't ever want to not show up. So it's like, if I can get an A, I'm going to get an A. So it's really hard. You know, if I, I've heard C's get degrees a million times, yeah, and I was always like, all the time. I, was, I was always like, oh yeah, okay, but so do A's. <laughs> they also get they degrees. Also get degrees and a sense of oh, job well done. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Accomplishment and yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, the balancing act was definitely the hardest for me. Um, where definitely I feel like I wasn't always good at that. You know, I didn't always prioritize my girls. And I mean, nowadays it's so easy to where you're like, I have to study for a test and they just go on screens or whatever. And you're like, they're fine. But then after you've done that, you know, a dozen times, a few dozen times, you're like, well, maybe. Have we formed a habit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's uh, that's not great. So... And, you know, that's something I'm still struggling with today now that I actually have the career that I've been working towards. So That idea that C's get degrees, but so do A's, <laughs> feels like it should be the title of a book about perfectionism. Morag felt it as a student, and I know I felt it as a parent. I still identify as a recovering perfectionist. And there is pressure to do things a certain way. Sometimes it doesn't always come from the outside. Sometimes it comes internally. For example, I have really struggled since I went back to work full-time five years ago, even though it was the right thing to do, and I felt very strongly about it, and I felt like it actually was such a huge gift, and I was excited about it. I still feel very guilty that my youngest didn't get the same sort of parental experience that my other kids did, the benefit of having a mom who was constantly available at home. And I don't even honestly know what that means because I feel like I'm more present and spend more time with her in a lot of ways than I did before. So whatever that means inside my head, it makes a lot of sense. And I know I'm not alone in this. I talk to a lot of moms about this idea of perfectionism. And it is across the board as a stay-at-home mom, working part-time, working full-time, it doesn't matter. And I wish that we could sort of take it away from each other, that we wouldn't let our perfectionism rob us of the excitement of really great things like getting a new job or going back to school or starting a new career or developing a new talent. These are good and exciting things. And how many times have I and all of us sort of dampened that or qualified it because we feel like we shouldn't be excited about it or we feel like maybe it means that we're taking away something from someone else when that's not necessarily true. It's just an idea in our heads. 
My identity as a mother, as a professional, as a friend, as really who I am, has to be founded in something more unconditional. And it's really made me take a step back and think about, okay, how do you really feel? Do you really feel like you're being who you should be? Or do you feel like you're on your right path? Do you feel like you're starting something that's going to lead you somewhere good? And for me, as as a believer and as a daughter of God, I am always trying to figure out, am I on the right path that God intends for me? And I recognize that we all have different paths, but do I really believe it for me that it might look different than other people? And you know, when I was talking to Morag, because she's such a good friend, I was able to talk to her about those kinds of things. And it made me feel better about the choices that I've made and the perfectionism that I try to fight against. We are our own worst critics, and that definitely comes out when we're starting something over. And as her friend, I get really disappointed and sad that she feels like she needs to qualify her happiness, her excitement, her talents, and dampen them or turn them down a little bit because of that. I can see it so clearly in her. It's a little bit harder to see it in myself. I really feel like when we share who we really are and what we really want and how we struggle individually with perfectionism, with with knowing what path we're on in life, when we share that, it's easier to cheer each other on. It's easier to encourage each other and to say, you've done a really great, incredible thing. And starting over is not easy. It's so uncomfortable. Even when it's an exciting thing that you know is the right thing, you can still have doubts. But I want to keep encouraging you forward. That's an important thing for us all to hear. The last thing holding Morag back was the fear that she wasn't going to be good enough, assuming she could make it to the end of all of school. What if, after all of this, she didn't like teaching or couldn't do it? So if you're like Morag and you're thinking about going back to school or starting a new career, or like me, your family needed you to go back to work full-time and it looks different than you thought it was, or you're really passionate about something and a great opportunity has presented itself to you. I want to be that voice that says, that's amazing. That's awesome. Good for you. It's going to be hard starting over. There's going to be a lot of voices. And the hardest voice to not listen to is the negative internal voice that you have. But there are people out there that are excited for you that can see it for what it is. If you find yourself in one of these situations, that's exciting. Don't let the fear of starting over or trying something new, or outside voices, or even internal dialogues and negative self-talk. Don't let these voices dampen the excitement or the joy that you're experiencing in starting over too. A lot of starting over is uncomfortable and it is brought out of intense need and sadness. But some starting over is really exciting. Don't lose the joy and excitement is there waiting for you because you feel like you need to qualify for it. You deserve to be excited to start over whenever and wherever you can. Use some of that excitement to propel you forward in that first beginning, uncomfortable starting over phase. The Lisa Show is a production of BYU Radio. The show is hosted by Lisa Valentine Clark and produced by McKay Menden and Becca Hurley with help from Avery Stonely, Blake Morse, and Michael Combs. Music and post-production for this episode was done by Kit Merrill. And if you haven't already, make sure you check out the Lisa Show's Council of Moms series on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. 
where Lisa sits down with a rotating cast of moms to answer questions submitted by listeners like you.